Well, everybody, this week we're sponsored by Cobalt Ninjas. When you need assassins willing to sneak around in full view of their enemies, think Cobalt Ninjas. Boo, you're dead. This is the Misdirected Mark Podcast, a podcast about gaming, game mastering, and entertaining you, our listeners. We are explicit, and you have been warned, and I'd like to thank Mike Willard for letting us use his music on our show. Now let's pick up those mics and get on with this thing. So welcome to the 486th episode of the Misdirected Mark Podcast. Tonight, we discuss using support teams in your tabletop role-playing games. But first, my name is Jerry. My name is Phil. I am Chris. Bill and it's Chris, maybe. <laughs> and I am Old Man Logan. Good uh, evening and welcome to the show. We had a rousing discussion for like an hour about a whole bunch of stuff, which will be on the Patreon. Yeah. That's, that's, that's not after show, that's pre-show. Pre-show yeah. garbage that we talked about. More accurately, about 40 minutes. 40 minutes. <laughs> we pre-gamed it. Pre-gamed it. Yes. Yeah. All right, let's start off with our temperature check and see how everybody's feeling. I'm going to go left to right here. Jerry. I'm much better than I was last week. I'm no longer positive for COVID. Yay! Yay! But I'm much rejoicing. It's Yay. it's it's been a very chaotic week, and I'm I'm happy to be back to some normalcy again. So this is good. I'm feeling good. Bill, like a C plus, physically fine, mostly annoyed at work. <laughs> Stupid work. Do we do we want to go hit it with a baseball bat? No, man. They pay me a lot of money. I'm just annoyed with them. Oh, okay. We'll work for money. Do we we'll work. Hit, we'll no. work for money. Do we want to go hit them with a wiffle bat? No, nah, man. Oh, okay. Yeah, 15 more years. I'm just going to ride it out. 15 more years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Talking about the night shift. Yeah. Oh, that's me. You? I'm the night shift. Yeah. Um, I'm fine. Although I just found out that after tomorrow, like I'm working in my building alone for the next two days. So that'll be interesting. Is it mm. spooky? Uh, no, it's not spooky. I'm not. I mean, I'm connected to another building. There's there's the gym sports arena place. Cool. There's uh, some squealing noise in the background. That's <laughs> fine. That's just tires. Uh, I don't have my index card, but I, I think that the red car is going to win. What color do you think is going to win? Oh, that's not. It's what segment is the what What's, segment is the hot rod going to come down? Oh, the street? oh we didn't or do the it. dirt bike. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. too early. It happens so early. No, I know. We got it next time. <laughs> next time we ride it on index cards. And yes. then we'll just we'll, hold, we'll keep them face down. We'll see who wins. <clears throat> we should do the odds too because it's way less of an odd that it shows up during the temperature do you, check do you edit it out do people even know what we're talking no about? they have no idea what we're talking about <laughs> every day that we do this some car screeches down the road at yep. some point like a hot rod or a motorbike or something i don't know why it just happens chris edits it out so you don't hear it but we all hear it like out the window and we talk you know it. i have access to extra nails we can make some caltrops just put them out there no that's, they're fine i don't want to blow right before we blow the the temperature I'm check fine. i'm fine i'm fine <laughs> chris is fine <laughs> How are I'm, you, Bob? I'm fine. I'm doing good. I'm on vacation right now, just He's, puttering around doing shit around my house. He is darkened in the middle of the screen. Yes. I am staring over his shoulder, apparently. <clears throat> yeah, you are. I was I, just going to say that's weird. I thought you said darkened for a second. I thought we were going to get some heavy metal or something. Yeah. That will bring us to our feature segment for tonight. So I'm going to queue up Phil for his oh, favorite thing. Okay, hang on. Gird yourself. Gird the loins. Thanks, thanks. Thanks and for the heads up. Begin. Workshop, workshop, we're talking about support groups. You can't do this whole thing by yourself. You're going to need a crew of people. Who are they? Why are they going to be helpful? We're going to talk all about it here tonight in the workshop. Don't, Don't suck. suck. Don't suck. All right, let's face it. Not every team of adventure is going to operate alone. But sometimes the heroes need a reliable group to call on again and again. Help them in their missions. These recurring characters can assist the party by providing additional resources, healing, repairs, even some skills to get them a better chance of success. So tonight we're going to talk about how to use support teams in your tabletop role-playing games. From Oracle to Q Branch, the guy in the chair, whichever, support teams can provide a number of mechanical and role-playing benefits for your game. But before we jump into the workshop, 
We need some definitions. And a book of definitions. Yes, we do. Behold! You are in the presence of Definition Panda. Various sources define support as to assist or help to keep something going. Uh, one that supports, such as a support staff, kind of like tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, we define team as a number of persons associated together in work or in activity. So for tonight's discussion, we will be using support team to refer to one or more NPCs who regularly help and assist the party in their adventures. Let me provide you with some examples. This could include a solo hacker the party calls on for information each adventure, the temple staff who provides healing and magical assistance between missions, a starship crew who provide the mundane maintenance and upkeep of said starship, a coven of witches who give the party magical blessings and assists in translating the ancient texts of eldritch evils, the party's retired assassin now butler who provides a cover story and keeps the base running while the heroes are out fighting crime. I'm pretty sure that's an Alfred Pennyworth reference. Yes, it is. And a group of tiny mercenaries from the Lollipop Guild who provide sweets, entertainment, or death as needed. Sometimes all three at the same time. Don't ask why they put that lollipop where they put it. Pretty much, pretty much any group that regularly helps the heroes. I mean, everybody needs a calling card, right? Yeah, that's right. I like that. It's not exactly a calling card. <laughs> and somewhere you stick it. All right. Well, let's face it. Support teams can be a useful addition to role-playing games. Depending on your game, there may be skills or resources that the party lacks. There may, may be healing or repairs that are required during the game. There may be information the party's not normally able to access. And there's always a use for NPCs that are for downtown activities. In addition, you can have other NPCs who are going to provide useful aid during the adventure. This group can be as large or as small as the GM wants, and they can be as detailed as needed. Anything from a few notes on a 3x5 card to a full-blown character sheet. In fact, many members of a support team can start just as a name and a role and eventually become fully detailed characters in their own right as the PCs continue to interact with them. So you need two things to make a support team memorable. Two things, specifically two things. First is a name. If you have a name, then they have an identity. This is a person with a name. The second one is an identifying characteristic. They could have some sort of weird personality quirk, a style of dress, a manner of speaking, something to set them apart from the other NPCs that the party deals with, like this lovely Southern Belle voice. It is not lovely. It is terrible. (laughs) You could also table source those traits, and this provides several benefits, but I'm going to let Phil do those. Go, Phil. Sure. So first of all, it takes some creative load off the GM's shoulders. Second, it allows players to create something that they find interesting, and hopefully they'll have fun interacting with. Mm -hmm. And lastly, it's the love letter thing. It allows players to have a hand in world building, but also to kind of tell the GM what they want out of the support staff and kind of what they can do, the activities they do, etc. However, all that said, a good support team is more than just a collection of NPCs. That's very true. Firstly, a good support team may provide a resource. Many support teams start as a way to provide a resource that the party's lacking. Some of the reasons include things like maybe just fewer players than normal, um, better character selection, maybe a larger variety of character options, or even a campaign design. When this occurs, it can be useful to have friendly, reliable NPCs to help. This also assists the players in making choices because they know that they have people that they can trust. If the party is a place they can get healed quickly, they're more likely to take risks. It's true. If they have a team that gets some reliable information, they're more likely to follow that information and take that hook. Definitely. Plus, it gives the PCs a group to get them the things that they want. It is example time. Say we have a modern day campaign. The party is a collection of monster hunters, psionicists, and witches who work to preserve the existence, their existence, the world's existence from Eldritch Horrors. Because they regularly go toe to tentacle with big monsters, they focus a lot of their abilities on talking to people and fighting things with said tentacles. 
This means that they lack that something something when it comes to digital information gathering. In their first adventure, they helped a group of hackers slash bloggers. The blogging is the front for this group of hackers. The hackers are the real deal. Now, when the party needs help with gaining information on a mission, needs to find out about the financial records of a suspected villain, or put out a spicy blog post about their newest collection of stories they write based on their adventures. I mean, it worked for Sherlock Holmes, right? Mm -hmm. The party has a group of people they can interact with and trust. It also allows the GM to dole out information that the party may have missed or give them a one-time resource without unbalancing the game. On top of that, the party has a source of information that they can trust. That's a big thing. Yep. Another good thing that sport teams can provide is mechanical effect. Mm -hmm. Depending on the game's rules, having a team use their specialties to assist you can provide some sort of mechanical advantage in the game. That's going to depend on the rules that you're using. Mm -hmm. But, you know, look for wherever the help part comes from. Depending on your play style, uh, you can achieve this through a simple discussion, such as just uh, kicking it out to like a third party description. I'm going to work with Mike and Trudy on the Sonic Accelerator to get that extra 1d6 into my die pool. Or you can do a full role-playing encounter uh, and actually play out a scene where you are working with Mike and Trudy and you play out the whole scene of kind of how you're working together, ultimately culminating in that role, but uh, having a little more role-play experience. Depending on your preference for role-playing, depending on where you are in the story, how much time you have for the evening, either one of these works. Just, you know, use them interchangeably. Mm -hmm. So here's a couple of examples of some sample mechanical effects. Um, the first can be something simple like a bonus to a die pool or a bonus to a die roll during the interaction. For example, Reticular, Apple the Cobalt, and I are working on crafting the gem. So I get to add plus two to my crafting checks during this scene. Next, you can have something that's a modification or a reroll on a check in the future. For example, Mama Garika takes special ingredients and makes everybody some Sherlock muffins. For the rest of the day, everyone gets a reroll on failed poison saves. But let's just say that it's not because those muffins were bad, it's because they were delicious and they just fortify you. Mm -hmm. Mama Greek is great. Mama Greek is amazing. She's good like that. Next, we're going to have a mechanical action. For example, Badonka Gonk, your quartermaster robot. Can you say that again? Badonka Gonk. That's, that's a great name. Thank <laughs> you. What does this robot look like? It's, it's a gonk. Okay. With, with a big back end. Sure. All right. You know? Okay. Uh, you know, the big, the big uh, battery robots. The back end My Badonka Donk brings all the... Robots yeah. to the yard, all the exactly. robots to the yard, all the robots to the yard. I had to stop making milkshakes. It's just going to be that way. So. <laughs> all right. Back to Badonka Gonk. He's a quartermaster robot. So if you allow Badonka Gonk to spend time organizing everybody's gear and their harnesses, once during each adventure, each player can draw or retrieve a single small item as a free action. This is because the robot puts the item exactly where it would be most convenient to retrieve. That's a really cool ability. Yeah. Thank you. I actually had that happen in one of the modules I wrote. We did that in a character cache. Yeah, we have one of those abilities probably. Don't you remember, I think John wrote the character with the big backpack and one of his stunts was for yes. a fake point. He yeah, could pull, just pull anything out. That, that, was, that, was, uh, that was my guy. I, I came up with the idea. John wrote him and, of course, Matt drew him. You yeah. can go buy that. It's still for sale on drive through yes. RPG. And those things, yeah. are, those things are never going to go out of, out of date. That's right. And lastly, you can have a modification to something that becomes useful. So, Celia, the Tiger mechanic, works on the team van while they're out adventuring. Now that van gets an additional acceleration bonus, which can be very useful in chases. Now the list can go on and on, but they don't have to be anything simple. They can be complicated, but they can just be a simple dice roll. Sure. Yep. None of these suggestions are rule breaking. Your game may already have mechanics for this, but if they True. don't, mm -hmm. this is certainly a good list of things that you could uh, house rule in. Mm -hmm. So many of those things could be just slid into a Cortex Prime game. So none of them groundbreaking. They all add a little something to make the support team useful. That allows the players to take advantage of them, which mm -hmm. is 
a good incentive, right? If your support team is just there for role-playing, your players will interact with them. But if there's also a mechanical advantage, right? When every time we pair narrative and mechanics, it just gets better. Mm -hmm. So that's what we really want. What we're looking for here is to make it both of those things. The peanut butter and chocolate of role-playing games. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So another use for the support team is to help that GM reinforce the adventure. Having these NPCs mention concerns and information can help the players remember and focus on those important details. They can also provide snippets of history or setting and character. This is a slightly less clunky way to provide exposition, can help the GM clear up confusion or misunderstanding of information, and helps the players become more immersed in the setting. In addition, the GM and players can simply tie in one or more characters' backstories to the support team's origins. This gives the heroes an instant link to the support team and allows for the PCs to become more involved and more invested in both the team and the setting. Repeated interaction with the support team will also bring these background connections back into the game over and over again without having to force them into the plot. For example, when creating the support team, GM Glenn realizes their gothic steampunk campaign city is going to have a lot of details the players need to know. Glenn creates a team with an assistant, a steward, a researcher, and a gearhead who maintains the party steamship. Dock. That's a lot of people. Yeah. That's cool. That's a yeah, good that's support cool. team. I like, and, a, I like mean, a solid four-person support team. Yeah, it's fine. Gives Glenn a host of characters to play yes, different yes. times. Whenever the heroes return to base for repairs, Glenn encourages the PCs to interact with the team, dropping campaign hooks into the conversation, and giving clarifications to some of the clues that the party requires. I actually find that to be pretty useful. A lot of times players will wind up sitting on something and need clarification. That is Ox, by the way. Yes. Yes. Ox, I know. Ox often will ask questions mm -hmm. like yep. to help you guys a little. When, when Ox isn't asking us questions about being, being uh, sentient. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's actually the more fun part is yes. Ox is trying to figure you guys out. Anyway, in addition to add a little uh, interest mm -hmm. to the plot line, the researcher is actually the younger sister of Chris's inventor character. She's hiding in the base after being involved in a coup that stripped Chris's family of their noble lands. As Chris's background enemy turns up again and again, the sister will also get dragged into the plots. Here so it just go. adds that little extra hook to the game. My yeah. poor sister. Well, causing I, me all sorts of trouble. I gotta take care of her, though. She's my oh, sister. Oh, I, I, I picture her as being kind of spunky and willful. And of course. And leading the yep. adventure. <laughs> now, the next thing we can have our regular role-playing interaction. One advantage of the support team is they give the players a regular group of friendly NPCs to interact and roleplay with. These interactions can be a great way to change the story beats on a regular basis, because the player can have encounters with the support team as a type of downtime, or even as a framing mechanism between adventures. Players looking for NPCs to build relationships can also hook to the support team for connections, romantic interludes, fiercely platonic friendships, friendly rivalries, family ties, and even sarcastic competitiveness. These can all be part of the interactions of a support team. Don't sleep with the support team. I mean, that's, that's like sleeping with people you work with. Yeah, that's not a good that's idea. It's just going to create messy, messy that's, drama. Yeah, that's oh, wait. Totally sleep with the support team. <laughs> that creates messy, messy drama. Don't do it in real life. No, no, no. But a game, Please messy drama is excellent. Please do it in your role-playing game. Sure. Yes. yes. You don't like messy drama in your role-playing game? Oh, games? I like messy dramas in my role-playing game. I'm just, you know, <laughs> don't piss off the person who's packing your parachute. That's why you, that's why you don't sleep with Madaka Gong. Yeah, exactly. You pulled Friggin' cord at 30,000 feet in your laundry. I know you say out. I can't sleep with Badonkadonk. I can't. But, I said you shouldn't. There's a but difference. the dump truck that it's dragging along, I, know, I right? can't get it out of my mind. It's just there. It's got a high-end dumper, man. I can't not you know? think about that, anyway, that Badonkadonk. Yeah. Move us along. Go right it's going to get really weird <laughs> really quick. Just Also, if the GM players give the support team interesting quirks and personality traits, this is going to encourage the players to regularly engage with the team because they want to engage with those personality traits and quirks. 
Makes sense. This can also give the GM a regular set of NPCs to develop with the players. It's actually one of the best reasons. Mm -hmm. This is a good substitute for the GM who enjoys having characters that they get to play in a game without overshadowing the players themselves. It also gives them reoccurring mm -hmm. yes. NPCs. Yes. It's actually one of my favorite parts, again, when we go back to Ox. One of my favorite parts is that that character is always there. Yep. It's not... You meet a whole bunch of people on planets mm -hmm. and then you never go back to those planets. Like I never yeah. get to be those people again, but I always get to be Ox. And in a way, Ox is kind of a support team. Ox is a support yeah, absolutely. team. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The support team is also a great way for the GM to seed information to the players because the support team is a regular group who the PCs trust. They should. They, we should unless trust you them. really have fucked something up. Yeah. They should trust the support team. So they're less likely to question information that comes from the support team. If yes. the support team's like, oh, I think the next clue you need is over here, mm -hmm. it's a pretty good way to kind of push that yep. item out yeah. to your players. You know, I, I don't think there's a thing for this in, in here anywhere, and I, I want to bring it up right now. Sure. What happens when you have a thing that you think is a support team, but it's not? Hence, the town of Foot in the Airy Peaks. Those people were not a support team. I don't think there was ever a time where I thought they were a support team. Okay. They were they were merchants. Yes. So there's a difference. Mm -hmm. A support team in most cases is helping you out of generosity. There is nothing regarding generosity. Nothing. In the town's people afoot. They are there for coin yeah, and yeah. coin alone. That Gen was mostly a gathering of available resources. Generosity or shared shared goals. Sure. Mm -hmm. yes. Sure. Of which the people of of Foot did not have. No. I did think, they I provide logistical support? Like, can, sure. could we get potions? Yes. yes. Could you get equipment? Yeah. Yes. But were they a support team? Not in the least. Okay. I think that a good support team, and maybe it's not obvious in this discussion without saying so, has the well-being of the players as part of their, sure. their makeup. They have a vested interest in huh. seeing the characters succeed at their goals. Uh, yeah. A vested <laughs> interest, right? Like, yes. I, I don't know that their well-being is necessarily the thing. Like, I can see a support team being like, I'll give you all the stuff that you need if you can go destroy the evil overlord. But if you mm. die in the process, eh. Is that a support that's team not, or is that support? That's they're support. helping you. Yeah, but, yeah, but I'm not sure they're, but I think the support team in general, one of the things we talked about earlier on is that part of the makeup of a support team is a group that the players will end up trusting. We, we mentioned it multiple times in here, but I think that a good support team. Oh, I'm not saying that person's not trustworthy. They just don't have the player's best interest, the character's best interest at heart. So let's be clear. There is support and there are support teams. Somebody, an NPC who is neutral or even malevolent can provide support. They are not a support team. A, a support team, I think it goes back to what Jerry was saying, is that there are uh, aligned, not only aligned goals, but they have your well-being. Q has James Bond's well-being in mind, even though he's mostly annoyed with James Bond sure. and various things. Whenever push comes to shove, Q has always been trustworthy. And Q has gone out of their way to help Bond, often going above and beyond their role and sometimes going actually against what their role was supposed to be to help Bond out. Well, I, I get I get what you're all saying. Sure. I'm just saying that there is no there is no line for that for people who don't have the group's well-being. So I don't think if they, I think if they don't have the group's well-being in mind, they're not I mean, them. they're not Pardon. malicious or malevolent towards them. They just want to see their goals fulfilled, which could be the same as the group's. They'll help them and help them and help them. But like so now I think we're getting into sponsor. Yeah. Uh, and then like a sponsor. So if we move away from sport team, a sponsor is a person who has some amount of money, influence, power or whatever that 
they share with the players to advance their goals. Mm-hmm. The players' goals and probably their goals, right? The players want to be rich or powerful, and they want to get stuff done. Like, I would never consider Lex Luthor or Doctor Doom a support team, but they certainly have provided support to heroes in the past. I think for the purposes of what we're talking about here, I think the support team has to be trustworthy, yeah, reasonably, reasonably trustworthy, and be somebody that the, that the players can rely on for support above and beyond. We're just giving them some coins. And if it's not that, they're probably not a support team. Okay. So so the the blacksmith is like, yeah, I'll make you the best sword that I can potentially make so you can go kill the Hattori Hanzo. Hattori Hanzo is not a support character okay, in cool. Kill Bill. Good. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. That's fine. Yeah. Now, they do have... I want, I'm making a clarification. That's yeah. fine. No, that's no. I think good. it's a good that's clarification. Good. Good. But I don't... If you look at... If you look at Kill Bill, Hattori Hanzo doesn't do anything else to help. No. He just makes the sword. He makes the sword because he's like... I'm with you in this purpose. Yes. Yeah. Not a support team. Not Good. a support team. Now we all know. Yeah. Well, let's go back to an example based on the thing that we were talking yeah. about before. So in the GM system hopping space opera campaign, the party is constantly jumping from planet to planet. They never stay in one system long enough to see NPCs more than once. Bob built his character with the thought that they would have a complicated romantic drama in the story. As the campaign continues, the GM and Bob decide that the support team's roboticist would make an interesting romantic foil. Is this Badonkadonk? No, that's a, that's the quartermaster. No, it can't be. Yeah, that's yes, quartermaster. Yes. No, that's unfortunate. Uh, whenever the party is not on planet, the GM can set a scene with the crew member laced with potential romantic drama. Mm-hmm. Yep. One final recommendation for using support teams is as a source for additional temporary PCs. I love that. Yeah, mm-hmm. this can be used a number of ways. If the game group has a visiting player, and we've talked about this many, many episodes ago mm-hmm. about guest stars and stuff. If you have a visiting player and they don't have a character in your game already, you can let them pick up a support team member. You just upgrade the support team member to character status mm-hmm. and uh, let them run with it. Mm-hmm. This can help solve a couple of issues. First, the support character may already have a character sheet or be simple enough to make one for them based on past adventures. Mm-hmm. Second, the support character already has a strong connection to the rest of the party. This can eliminate all those, who is this and why are they in our adventure encounters, that can slow down the guest star part of the games. You seem trustworthy. Would you like to join our band? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and third, having someone new play a member of the support team can add additional personality and interpersonal connections to that character, making them an even better part of the game. Do you know I actually don't like letting people play my NPCs often in my sure. role-playing games, especially ones surprised. that I've been playing repeatedly? Sure. I wouldn't let anyone come in and play odds. Yeah, right? Like, there, there's like five or six NPCs, and I'm like, no, you can't play them. And that's fair. Sure. You know, you can, you can have a subset of, of NPCs and support people that are, like, these guys are off limits for... for whereas when I was playing Pathfinder, the party's uh, witch, Estley, was often tagging along with the group when they went on adventures, and... We had a varied group of players who just kind of come together at a game store. And so about once every month or two, we'd have an extra player that popped in. Somebody's friend, whatever, wanted to sit in a game. And they just always ended up playing Estelle. But we had a list of what personality traits she'd already had put together. And the players would slowly develop on that. So that, that worked very well. That's fun. And it was a, and it was a recurring character. Um, when they weren't there, then I would play Estelle and then back and forth. Also, as a GM, I would not heavily develop that character knowing that it's about to be the eighth chair as opposed to another character where I've put a lot of work into mm-hmm. and have kind of developed uh, going back to our tales from the loop game would not have handed off for our game. Bob would not have handed Leah off no. to anyone else, which was Bob's girlfriend in the game. Mm-hmm. Leah had developed enough as a character that I was like, I, I will play this character. Yeah. <clears throat> I think I can choose it. Yeah. 
But it's still a great idea. That's yeah. up to your personal preference yes. game masters yeah. out there in the world. And yeah. players. Uh, sometimes it's tricky to give a player who maybe has never played the game before, like, here's this character with seven traits. Yeah. Maybe not the best idea, but not here's good. this character that is mostly a tabular ass with like two or with like two traits on there and like, like to give you some role-playing hooks. Great for a new character, right? Now, it also depends a little bit on who you've got coming in. For example, if we had a game where Bob's character was just beginning a romance with somebody uh-huh. and we had Schmitty visiting. Sure. I would totally give Schmitty that sure, character to play. right? Like, because that's a person that you trust to play that character and that way. With everything, you're going to be a little bit give and take. You have to pick your, your pick roles. your spots. As yeah. a little aside, when yeah. Senda came to visit us mm-hmm. and guest starred in our game, yeah. yeah, not a support character, but played an NPC in the story. To keep things simple, Senda's stat block was one distinction. Right, greatest greatest scientific mind on this planet. I sure. think I, I think I actually gave I, her a couple of distinctions. I saw the card. I remember right, it, yeah. and then it was yeah. anything science related. D eight. Anything non-science related, D6. Yeah. Yep. And that was like the whole character. Nice and simple. Yeah, nice and simple for, for a person who's coming in for the first time. Enough to make a die pool out of and enough to just add a quick glance. Now, Senda was no slouch because she's playing another Cortex game I'm running. Mm-hmm. So she was okay. Like she knew what to do, but it was okay also, for the role that she was playing to just give her the streamlined character. Yeah. Also, anytime you have Senda in a game, it's like a treat. Like, yeah. She's, yeah. She's a top tier She's yeah, a great. role player. Yeah. She makes she's, she makes action happen. So remember, as we mentioned above, the support teams can be a ready source of replacements for the actual PCs, too. Like somebody dies, well, you can play this person. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, say somebody gets hurt. Like sometimes games have long recovery times. Band of Blades is such a game. Yeah. Or um, you go on a bender on your vice and disappear. That for too. A that weeks. happens. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, you could also have a scenario where somebody gets captured or incapacitated. Mm-hmm. Having these extra support team characters out there is like, well, that person's gone or you just instantly die play this person for a little while and you can just keep being a part of the adventure it's good stuff uh you can even take this one step further the gm can run an entire side adventure where everyone plays a member of support team or better known as the lower decks episode (laughs) right instead of their own character or you can just make a whole series about it (laughs) as they did later but you know we'll give homage to the original lower decks episode good episode season seven yep it's a great advent- adventure between missions. It is a great beat change. Mm-hmm. If you know, you've been playing a lot of heavy stuff at the higher level and you want to take it down and just have that like little lower decks action. It could also be a difference in tone. So you could be playing a very serious high level fantasy game. Mm-hmm. And when you kick it to the support team, it's a more comedic game because yep. the stakes are a lot lower for them. So they're like fumbling around doing stuff. You can make it a little funnier. Like mm-hmm. again, beat change, change it up. I do that with my campaigns. If I have enough players that can't show up for a game, I'm like, let's play a different game. We're still playing in the same world in the same campaign mm-hmm. setting with yeah. something else happening. Yep. Yeah. It showcases the, the setting. Let me jump into this last uh, sure. last bit here. This is also a way for a player to take on a different kind of character for a week or two, kind of what we talked about before, just because they want to change your pace. They want to experiment with a different set of skills and abilities. Again, it works great in those Forge in the Dark games where all of a sudden you overindulged in your vice and you got to go bye-bye for a couple sessions. Yep. It's a mm-hmm. great time to pull another member of the crew mm-hmm. and just be like, you are now this character for yeah. a couple mm-hmm. weeks. Like, for example, another example, mm-hmm. say there's uh, two of the five players announced they can't play. It's an occult adventure incorporated game that I've been running. The GM had the adventure set up to be a, conf- a conflict with the assistant BBEG. So they want all the players there for that encounter. I've seen that happen. But they don't want to cancel the game. So the group decides to play a session as the support team. Like, mm-hmm. that's fun, right? This happens to be the alchemist, the librarian, and the auto mechanic who help the party. And they get involved in their own shenanigans as they track down a plot hook the party had to skip. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a fun time. Yep. And it also helps close off that loop that didn't get satisfyingly closed off. Yep. 
even better if the outcome of that whole thing is that they bring back to the players something that conveys a mechanical advantage in their encounter with the assistant big bad guy. We're, we're tracking that down, drops them into the encounter with the assistant big bad end guy in the yeah. middle of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, what are you all doing here? Uh, Take this. <laughs> right? They toss them some device. It's dangerous out there. Take, Take this, this with you. With that example, we're concluding our discussion on using support teams in your tabletop role-playing games. So let's recap how they can be useful. First, they can provide a resource that the party needs, whether it be skills, abilities, information, or even equipment. Second, they can provide mechanical effect to the party. This can be a bonus to skill rolls, rerolls on future tests, or even a single-use action or ability. Third, they can reinforce the genre, setting, or story by providing regular information and setting details as part of their interactions. Fourth, they can provide a source for regular role-playing interactions with consistent, recurring characters that the PCs develop relationships with. Finally, they can provide a source for temporary PCs, whether they be to add a temporary player to the game or even as replacement characters for one-off missions. That concludes our overview of support teams. We're going to jump into some questions, but first, hey, Bob. Go to misdirectedmark.com and check out the list of other shows that we have, because I'm sure you will find one there that is going to speak to you in some way. We've got a wide variety of different things, and I think something there is going to grab you. We're going to go to the roundtable now. And we're going to have a bunch of questions. And question number one is, talk about a game where the GM had a good support team and why they were fun to play. The Archmage's Legacy is the game that I'd like to talk about. It's, it's one I'm running currently. Um, the Archmage's Legacy has an adventuring company uh, that, that is called the Crosswire Adventuring Company that has 20-ish members and a staff that runs the organization. And I just like having that variety of people I can pull on to insert into the game. It really gives me a great chance to play a variety of characters and provides a number of ways for the players to ask and receive help. Uh, in fact, a lot of their uh, stuff that they do in between for downtime is facilitated by the support team of the Crossword Adventuring Company. I think we need to do that more. I think that as players, we don't interact with the Crossword Adventuring Company. Well, you're kind of off doing something else right now. No, I think that our end, I think as players, we should be more active. Sure, in I agree. So, yeah. I'm going to share my... Bob, if you're willing to jump in. Mm-hmm. If uh, if you're okay with it, this uh, answer of mine comes from a game that Bob's in, which is my Forbidden Lands game, which ran during uh, the COVID times and before. And the players, so there's a mechanic in the game for creating a stronghold, and the players create a stronghold, and you need people. Uh, typically, you hire them. That costs money. They didn't have a ton of money. So what they did was, as they encountered NPCs, they would just be like, hey, would you like a place to live and some freedom? Like, come, like, work for us. Like, if you would chop some wood or break some stone, we'd give you a free place to live. And I was like, okay, that's cool, because we don't have a lot of treasure in this game. I'll make that happen. So they began, everywhere they went, they picked up somebody. They started a fiefdom, huh? With just, like, stragglers? Yeah, like, one time yeah. they went to this town, and they couldn't afford to stay in the town, so they they slept, they couldn't afford... Or were hiding. I think they were hiding from somebody. They slept out in this like shanty town outside the city and they met this guy who was really nice to them, like offered like to like let them use his fire or whatever. And they shared food or whatever. And the next time they went to the town, they were like, hey, why don't you just come back with us and come work at our at our keep? And like, you don't have to live in this shanty. <coughs> you can just like you can come and, you know, Sorry. work. You can work the farm. I think he became a lumberjack or something. Yeah, that particular character was was basically scrounging every day just to survive on the outskirts of that city, going into the city and then like looking for work daily and and just really living a really pretty shit life. 
And we're like, hey, we'll give you some stability. You come live with us. We've got a good roof over your head. And a lot of that kind of thing was was very common where people were in like a really bad situation or somebody was like on the run or whatever. And we're like, hey, come up and hang out with us. And so when they would go back to the stronghold, I had all these like really interesting characters that would come and talk to them mm-hmm. and things like that because they had collected all of them. Yeah. There was a couple that ran the inn that had, they accidentally found their wedding. They stumbled into the wedding when they stumbled into the hex and stayed for the wedding. <laughs> That's and, fun. Yep. And they were uh, they were former adventurers. She was a orc. He was a human. Neither family was thrilled about them getting married. And the players were like, you know what? You don't have to live here. Yeah. Just come live with us. You could just like if you want to. We just built an inn. We need somebody to run it. Yeah, you could mm-hmm. stay down here and deal with the intolerance of both races and both sets of families and be like, you know, everybody here hates us. And, and so the thing was, because I just want to clarify this, it wasn't because they were orc and human. No. The reason that no one on the husband's side liked the woman was that the town he came from had very few men in it. And he had married somebody outside the town instead of adding to the town population. Ah, yeah. So the townspeople were unhappy because it was like, we don't need you to bring another woman to this town. We're like flush with women. We need some men in this town. Like, or we need, yeah, we need you to stay in this town and wait 15 to 25 years. We'll provide you with plenty of, <laughs> yeah. So they were like, cool, we're out of here. And they were former adventurers as well. Like they settling down in a town wasn't mm. quite their thing. Running an inn seemed more interesting. Yeah. Running an inn in a somewhat dangerous area. Yeah. Was kind of more their speed. So anyway. Well, when things went wrong, they just pick up their axe and their spell book and just murder some folks. Hmm. That happened. Yep. <laughs> See? See? I, I knew I was in the right genre there. <laughs> they were, again, they were support. They weren't on the front lines, no. but there was a point where an evil army, uh, like a patrol from an evil army showed up and the players were like, and they all need to everybody get in behind the walls. Hands on deck. All hands on deck. Yep. We're going to do some murders. Red alert. Mm-hmm. They did. Anyway, Forbidden Lands, the collection of all of those people has yep. became the support team and I uh, thought it was pretty cool. It was. Jerry. Uh, for me, it's um, actually the first module I got published, which was Little Black Book. The first part of the entire adventure involves the heroes meeting a bunch of NPCs and helping them uh, while also learning the rules of the game. Um, later in the adventure and in the sequels to the adventure, the support characters uh, can tag along with the heroes and give them help, assistance, mechanical advantages. Um, while that's not the character's name, that's the Badonkagonk character came from that. Badonkagonk. Um, and even act as some backup PCs. Um, in the early adventures, some of the traps can be avoided or made less dangerous because they've got these NPCs with them. If they use one of the trigger words, they can just um, push them right onto the spikes no. and walk over them. <laughs> yes. No, but they've I, got things like this character is good at opening locks. This character is sure. good at this sort of thing. Um, I have never wished more that we had, were popular enough where somebody could do some fan art of Badonkagonk. Right. Never, never have. You wished know what? You that should go. You should more. go to one of those. You should go to one of those AI. <laughs> programs and just put in robot gonk droid with big ass and just see what comes out i mean gonk yeah i'll do it work. later yeah <laughs> i'll do it later that's a this, thing this yeah. is just the kind of thing that you don't want to waste a good artist on and just let an ai sure come sure, up with a totally. gonk, gonk yeah. droid with a big ass just not that that crayon thing it's creepy right i i, I don't i don't get it <laughs> i like the other one yeah the other one's better. i don't get it anyway question number two What's the biggest challenge you have in running support teams? Let's try that again. <laughs> I don't know why my phone keeps acting up. Well, question number two. 
What is the biggest challenge you have on running support teams? It's Bill and Chris. Bill and Chris is like hexing Jerry's phone. <laughs> Jerry's, saying, Jerry's saying something to activate it. Boxcar. <laughs> Boxcar? So Bob knows. Freight car. Freight nine, car. There it nine. is. I'm so confused. That's the actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it took me a second to catch on. My bad. Phil, you were saying. Yeah, the challenges for running support teams. So I think that if you've got players that are on the road a lot and your support team isn't on the road, then like that's tricky because you don't really get the support. So you either have to find a way to get them on the road with them, but also if they're on the road, like the world, depending on where you're playing, can be a dangerous place. Yeah. And so now you're balancing like, well, I want the support team to travel with them, but I also don't want them to be like eaten by whatever woodland encounter yeah. occurs because they're going to be this pool of like low hit point targets that now the players are gonna have to spend a lot of time protecting. Sounds like dead meat to me. Yeah, it's I'm it's tricky. It's not insurmountable, but it's one of those things that you just need to consider when you're setting up your support group for a game. If the situation of the game has the players traveling a lot, how much support does the support team get to give? And how do you balance that? So are our R2, 3PO, and BB-8 basically support characters for yes. the movies? Yes. Yes. I mean, R2-D2 is actually the mastermind behind all of Star Wars. Yes. But that's yes. Also true. yes. <laughs> you can, you can, you can make that argument. Hell, I'll, yes. I'll listen to that argument. I don't yes. agree with it, but I'll listen to it. <laughs> like, it makes he, sense. He makes, all the, he makes all the important moves in the entire movie. <laughs> Saves a bunch of people, too. Yes, he I don't think his memory was wiped, is what I'm saying. No, yeah, they, they, they specified very quickly. Yeah. Specifically, that wasn't. All right. But anyway, so, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my villain hat on. I, I don't have a challenge running support teams. Screw this. It's pretty easy. I would say the most challenging thing for people running support teams. Oh, goodness. <laughs> is making sure they have a purpose both mechanically and fictionally. If like they do that. not have both of those things, they need to get reworked or cut from the story. But, you know, it's not challenging. It's at least not for me. Ugh. <laughs> to validate Chris's point, <gasps> despite his, <gasps> despite it's his so delivery. It's so hard when it's right. It's it goes so hard to, when it's right. It goes to what we were saying at the top of the at the top of the show when Jerry was talking about possible bonuses. If your game does not have a way to provide those bonuses, this is the perfect way to house rule them in. Mm -hmm. That list that Jerry had of the mm -hmm. modifier, reroll, uh, bonuses to like a certain type of check, whatever, mm -hmm. those things are a great way to put those in. So look at that for your game. Like, I don't think you guys can correct me. I don't think 5e has any specific rules for taking on NPCs other than their NPCs. Correct. So you absolutely can just house rule a thing in that's like, cool, if the quartermaster sets up your gear before you head to the dungeon and then use that trait that Jerry had yep. where you get like one act, you can get like a free action to pull a certain item once during a session. So yeah, work it into what works best for the just, game. Just modify the, the boons and banes rule that they have in there, the blessings rule that they have in there. You can just do that. It's, yeah. There's a couple yeah, of things. Right. Couple yeah, it's, it's easy enough to put in there. Yeah. You don't have to over-engineer it. No. A little bonus matched with the narrative stuff is yep. like really the money. Yep. And, and I'll be honest, I think that in a lot of games, a simple one-time reroll is much easier than worrying about mechanical effects. Mm -hmm. yep. um, My delivery made everybody in the Midwest vomit. You're welcome. Yeah. I got a little queasy here. That's all right. Okay. Jerry. Villainous right. Chris. <laughs> so uh, for me, it's basically just making sure their abilities don't detract from the heroes, unless that's what the players want. Sometimes you'll have a, a support character that the players are, but we don't want to, none of us want to be cleric on a rope. You know, none of us want to have this, you know, none of us want to be the, the cyanicist. None of us want to be the researcher, whatever. None of the players want to play that role. And so sometimes it does work. They just want to have this 
support character. Listen, when we we have a when we have a trap, we need to have a box that needs to be unpicked, uh, unlocked, unpicked. We have a box that needs to be unlocked. We just bring it back to this character and they open it up. For I us. mean, it could be unpicked if you want it to be unpicked. This, this is like, also true. Yeah. In in that case, yeah, I will push the dice to the players. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, yes. I'm not I'm not your cure all for the things that you don't want to do in the game. If nobody wants to play the hacker, the hacker is a table NPC, which I will narratively act. But one of you is in charge of rolling. For oh, the hacker. Yeah, that, is, that, that, that is something that I have been doing with every game I run for years, which is um, almost any time. If there's an NPC that I want the players to be invested in, I will almost always let the players roll the dice for that character. Mm-hmm. Yep. I just like when that character is like useful and useful and useful and they're like, yeah, we like this guy. And I'm like, well, cool. This person is in danger fairly often because it's something that you care about because they're useful to you and you probably like them because they've been useful to you. Now save their life. Now don't their life. fridge them. Yeah. Don't no. fridge them. As long as that doesn't backfire. You don't fridge them. You put them in danger and yes. give them a chance yes. to save yes. them. Because then if they don't save them, they feel bad. Yeah. It's yep. even better. And you don't even have to in a you don't even have to have them like picked up by the cobalt ninjas they could have a gambling debt Mm -hmm. that needs to be paid and they're just in trouble and they need the hero's help Uh so they're like you don't have to be like ha somebody broke into your secure fortress and took out you know your artificer or whatever no the artificer's got a gambling Uh problem he's gonna get his legs broken there are varying levels of trouble that the character can just be creative don't don't kill them yeah no 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 i mean you can threaten death with the soft move and then kill them with the hard move later that's fine but you have to soft move it first so they have a chance to react yeah yes and and you also want to make sure again that that you understand your players motivations Uh, i actually had a group where out of my six players two of them wanted nothing to do with recurring npcs ever okay like they ever. actively fought about allowing really? any npcs into the group why yeah. i don't know and i watched them do this in the games i was running and also gives us play with them just kick those people out of my group they, like, they, they just people. like they didn't mind interacting with npcs <laughs> dying over here. No, they, they didn't mind interacting with npcs they just didn't want them to come like a second time like they wanted they didn't they didn't want to have How npcs that came back they didn't want like if an npc was in they danger, just wanted a variety yep and uh, I mean, we actively had a situation where what, I was running the game where I put the for, the other four players like the where I put a friendly NPC in danger and the other two players like and like what's in it for us? Yeah, because there probably wasn't anything in it for them. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like if there wasn't a monetary mm-hmm. reward for them or a skill reward, it's like, ah, we got other things. Mm-hmm. We've got other plots to follow. Yeah, like yeah. The, Do you I'm still like, play well, with those people? No. Uh, no, not anymore. Yeah, so Chris yes. isn't Chris isn't exactly wrong. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> the problem with villain is Chris. No one is Chris is not exactly wrong. It's delivery. Oh, no. It's oh, no. delivery. Oh, no. As a GM, it frust- as a as a GM, it frustrated the hell out of me because I like yeah, I like yeah. playing recurring NPCs, and it's and I've actually I've played the opposite. I've had players in games where the players collect a menagerie of recurring NPCs. You know, often twenty five or thirty of them. All of my games are like that. Yeah. And, and and that's and, and I just let them go and pick who they want. Those I have a great time with. Yeah. yeah. But but this group was just I, I had a, two players um, and it was just like, I mean, one of them actively came out like in session zero. One of the things they said is I don't want any NPCs that will be part of this group. For more oh, than I need one to session. unpack that. I'd be like, we got to sit down and have a talk. Yeah, about that was this. strict. Like, what is zero. like <laughs> the, the needle on the record scratches? And I'm like, OK, lay down on the couch. <laughs> let's do let's, let's do unpack this rpg therapy yeah <laughs> the, uh, i one of I, actually i did ask that question of one of the two and they said that they feel that recurring npcs take the focus away from the players 
and that's something they're interested in. That 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 is a show me on the doll where they, the NPC hurt you. They had yeah, yeah right. Show yeah. me on the doll oh, where the game master oh, hurt you, man. This this this, <laughs> this 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 was the same group that would almost that that I, like at least once a session I had to tell ask the players, um, like what are you trying to do here? You're trying to get me to admit to something before you do it. Just do it. I'm not going to screw you on. Let this. me tell you yeah. what happened to that player. Yes, I'm going to make a I'm going to make a prediction. Yes, it's probably right. Mm-hmm. I have a guess. The GM had an NPC that did everything. Yeah. That the play, like when when in doubt, the GM's NPC was like, I've got this stand back players and would jump in and like crush a monster, pick a lock, dispel magic, whatever it was. And to that player, those kind of reoccurring NPCs just represent a constant threat to them doing cool things. So should we rebust out the GM PC episode and just do it again? I mean, I it's, it's old. Yeah, we yeah. definitely could. We, we should could do redux. the GM. We yeah. should redux the yeah. GM MPC yeah. episode. Yeah. Should. yeah. Well, I, I have thoughts on that too, but that's good. Anyway, anyway, that I guarantee you is what happened to the trauma that I'm, happened to. The I'm player. guessing that that's the same that's thing. I would pretty much say what I too. would guess. But yeah, you can't have it happen if they're not allowed to stay in the game. There you yep. go. That's yeah. exactly it. Jerry, right. exceptional topic. That was fun. Well, thank good you. times. Good times. Thank you. Good times. All right. Now we're gonna jump into the conversation corner. I'm Phil. You might know me from other segments like the main segment or the uh, temperature or the definition thingy I'm sometimes known for. (laughs) Anyway, my one thing for tonight is uh, the game of Minecraft. No surprise. Uh, (laughs) I I mean, it's filling a spot for me right now. It's um, I've been playing this mod pack, this Direwolf uh, 118 mod pack. It's actually pretty good. It's got a lot of uh, it's got a lot of fun stuff. And I really like. In particular, this uh, one um, magic pack that lets you build spells. So it's actually pretty cool. Like you, you learn these components and then you actually string them together to okay. make spells with effects, which is like really unlike anything I've done in Minecraft before. I don't usually do magic. I'm pretty much the tech guy, but I'm really digging this. Um, I'm really digging this magic mod called uh, Ars, Ars Nouveau. So. It's a lot of fun. Anyway, I've been playing it and it's just kind of giving me the dopamine hit. I'm not having fun at work right now. So because I'm not having fun at work to feel productive, Minecraft often scratches that itch. I can go, you know, I mine to craft. And then you craft. Craft to mine. mine. It sounds like something Jerry would invent. Did Jerry write this? (laughs) Yeah. Did your dad write that? But anyway, it's been a lot of fun. And I really like this pack. And the cool part is the person who put it together has been doing a YouTube series. They're like up to like a hundred and like six episodes for just this pack. Man. And they, they, it's great. Every couple of episodes, they dive into one mod and kind of progress through it so that you can kind of see everything about it. And it works out that not only is it entertaining, but it turns out to be good instructional video. It turns out to be a good instructional video on how to do things. Tim Hortons, that was almost filled knocking his cup of coffee over. I would have cried. If my Tim Hortons ding, coffee had had tipped over. I think we just product placement for free. Jerry, what's your one thing? My one thing is Sandman on Netflix. I've only seen the first two episodes. I'm sad about that. I need to watch the rest of it. Oh, I I I like Sandman. I'm excited about it. I enjoyed the whole series. Um, the other one, I, have, I haven't watched the bonus episode yet, which has one of my favorite stories in it, which is The Dream of a Thousand Cats. Um, That's a good one. But uh, I, I like the show. I think they cast it very, very well. Um, they made some changes to the plot and the order, mo- mostly the order of things. And they made changes to some of the characters. And I don't think any of the changes are bad. I think in a lot of cases, they're improvements. Um, 
there are some episodes, the, the, the episode where his big sister shows up, man, there's a couple of gut punches in that one that are wonderful. And Neil Gaiman signed off on it, so like he helped yeah. write the show. So Yeah, it's it's so well done. Um, it's interesting. It's the it's engaging. The main character is very complicated and not necessarily likable for the for the first, you know, like they're the protagonist, but they're not necessarily a very likable character. Oh, man. Which is Dreams a jerk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they get a little better, but if you've read that, but it's, and they're definitely setting up the stage for a couple of things. They did a really good job with some of the, um, some of the tertiary characters in there. Um, and I, I just, I'm enjoying it. I think it was very, very good. I'd say that if you enjoyed the the books, you'll enjoy them. If you enjoy Neil Gaiman stuff in general, like Good Omens or Coraline or any of those, I think you didn't do Star- Stardust. Um, you'll enjoy Sandman and um, tune in and watch it because they need to get enough people sh- seeing this to get it renewed for another season and i mean there's what eight or nine books or something like it's that it's not renewed yet no that's surprising uh it's, it's very it's, expensive it's, it's, I know very, it's expensive. very expensive it's very expensive it's, it's and a, netflix doesn't have any money yeah but it's it's worth i'd say if, if you like they those kind of commercials things, <laughs> that'll make it better they should put commercials in but yeah watch sam man it's a lot of fun <laughs> uh, things right. i shouldn't do on okay chris what's your I, one thing? I watched ted lasso for the second time the whole thing in like a week it's so good. It's so good. I, just, been, I just started it last night. My my wife got free Apple TV. And so I'm like, okay. I said, I've wanted to watch this. I've seen snippets from it. I sat down and watched the first six episodes back to back. Look, I, I was sitting I was sitting at work and it was lunch. And I was I was about to sit down and watch a soccer anime on my lunch break. And my coworker was like, what you watching? I'm like, I'm watching the soccer. I'm about to start watching the soccer anime. He's like, man, they make a sh- they make an anime for everything. Like, they make a TV show for anything. He's like, yeah, really? I'm like, yeah, there's this show called Ted Lasso. Have you ever seen, have you ever heard of it? He's like, no, what is it? It's a soccer show about an American Division II football coach that goes to England to coach a premier soccer, a premier football, football, football. team, yeah. footy team. And it's wonderful in mm. a billion ways which is why it gets nominated for a yeah. bazillion emmys and i guess season three is coming out in yeah. the sometime this year this, yeah. this year like probably in the fall i'm i'm so i don't want to say anything to jerry because i don't want to ruin it but i'm sick to my stomach with knowing how the beginning of this thing's going to go down like just like where the opposition and everything yeah. lies it's going to be amazing yeah. but it's such a the show and we've talked about it before but because you started watching it I went on like a YouTube binge and just started watching clips of it again. Mm -hmm. Uh And it's just the whole thing is so well executed. The characters, Mm -hmm. even the understated characters. Yeah. Like, yes. The the writing is top notch. Keep your eye out. I believe it's the Dutchman. Yes. Like not a character that gets a ton of time, but every time he's in a scene. I don't think I've seen him yet. There's a thing. You will. He's in season two. That's why. Oh, there's a the thing, only season he's two? only in season okay. two. Okay. There's a thing he's there's a thing that they set him up because he never lies that pays off in the last episode of the season. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It is there's there are times in that show that they that characters, like main characters, the thing that you don't expect, come out and state what's going to happen, and you're like, are they gonna actually do that? And then they do it, and you're like, huh. Yeah. Because it's a it's a sports show, right? It's a sports team show. So there's that that piece of the sh- storytelling is in there all all that that overcoming and, and yeah. you know paying off the the victories with the the, with the cathartic emotional moment and there's only about three to five minutes of actual football every episode every now and then they go and, a little and, bit and, more and, but, and, so, yeah. and, and sometimes not even that but the thing about the show which i think is which i think is really interesting 
is very much like the character. It grows on you mm -hmm. in a way that you do not expect. Yes. Like when everybody who meets Ted Lasso is like, what's the deal with this guy? And by the time they finish meeting him, they're like, oh, this guy's genuinely good. And that's what happens with the show. When you first start watching the show, the show you're like, I don't know. Wasn't this like a bit on NBC News, like on NBC Sports or something? And then you watch and you're like, the show's amazing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Everybody thinks he's a buffoon and he's not. Yep. Everybody underestimates him. Yes. Out of the gate. And yes. they learn. He don't is, underestimate He him. is a buffoon, but not in the way that you think he is. Like, right. He's also brilliant. Yes. Yeah. That's that's the thing that is wonderful about it. It's like, yeah. this guy's not a moron. They're not, but people aren't curious enough about him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, did <laughs> you see that episode? I've seen that clip. I know oh. it's coming. That, that's the first clip I that saw was somebody said you'd see this. Yeah. yeah. Just, I'll just say there's an episode where he talks about being cured. That dark game. Yes. That dark game. Yes. Good stuff. That's the first thing I saw about the show. One of the Man. scenes I love, and I think you've seen Dude, it. If you're that, far, I think if you're far enough in. Did you see the one where he goes to the Indian restaurant? Yes. That was yes. such a great. Yes. That's that's the third Ted Krim of the Independence. Third Ted episode. Krim. Oh, yeah. Ted there's, Krim, the Independent. There's a thing he says in that dart episode, which is like episode eight or nine yeah. of that season. I think yeah. it's eight. Yeah. Um, where he's like, People aren't curious enough, but in there he goes, and I was, and I'm, I played. If somebody would have, who was curious, would have said, "Do you play a lot of darts?" Ten, he was like, "Yep, I do." Yep. Every Sunday, every Sunday afternoon with my dad from the age of eleven till sixteen. Hmm? Yeah, and that's a thing. Yeah, because you're like, what's going on there? Because oh man. Anyway, no spoilers. No for Jerry. spoilers, but that's a thing. Like there are just there's stuff that happens in season one that is getting paid off in season two there has they, anyone they found the recipe in real life for the biscuits people have tried okay if you search the internet people have biscuit recipes as they've attempted to that moment now, when you when you find out he's the one making the biscuits you're like oh the cookies cookies sorry biscuits in england cookies yes. america ridiculous yeah that, that that that's the joke i was telling i was telling phil i saw a post like three days ago that somebody said in the uk do all the computers have biscuits instead of cookies right so <laughs> but yeah but yeah, um, it's a, it's a treat of a show. I I can't wait to watch the rest of it because yes. it is, it, and they do such a good job. Like he he's not perfect. No, right? No, like, by, he's by got means. flaws that he needs to yep. overcome, mm -hmm. and and issues that he's got. Oh, he's yes. got going on. Yeah, there are two. I think they're in season two. There are two extra episodes that weren't originally part of the ordered run. Okay, that they just wanted. Mm -hmm. Uh, one of them is the one of them is a very strange episode. One of them's got to be the uh, Beard at Night. Coach Beard's Night Out. That Coach okay. Beard's Night it's, Out. It's called Beard at Night. Yeah, I, I love I that, episode. that episode. The other one is the Christmas episode. Is my, the Christmas episode is Christmas one of, episode is the best episode of the entire show. <laughs> okay, it is my it is one of my favorite episodes. Okay, the Beard episode is an amazing episode that Bob doesn't like because he doesn't understand it's, the fine artists. It's a weird. It's, it's also a, the it's also the episode got nominated for best single I'm episode a, of I'm a with, comedy. I'm 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 halfway between both of you. It's not my favorite episode. I get what it's doing, but it's it, it, it's a bit outside of the rest of it. And I was kind of like, mm. it completely doesn't fit with the show. I will say opinion, I in a know. few more episodes, it explains everything yeah. about beard. In a few more episodes, sure. you will respond to you will you will get people's attention by going, oi. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's playing Hercules. He's Hercules in the MCU. The guy who uh, spoilers. Oh yeah, yeah, people haven't seen that movie. That, it's that, been like that, a month. It's been like two months. That, that, Not everybody goes out to the theater right now with the pandemic still Look, creeping man, on. Man, uh, Thor: Love and Thunder is coming it's, up. It's in the trailer. It's in the trailer. It's, in the trailer. No, it's, not. Uh, it's so been talked about on the internet. The guy who plays Roy Kent. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Roy Kent is ripped. Yes. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Is he ripped enough to be? We'll find out. I mean, they can CG that on. You guys still got to tell him to work out. I mean, kind of, but like I used to collect the comic, like Hercules. 
big, like Hulk, like not Hulk big, but big. But I like Hercules the cut. All right, I'm gonna have to see. I'll I'll see it when it comes. I'll yeah, see two it months ago. To... You want you want to talk about big big, big people? You, you guys have to watch Jack the the Jack Reacher team. Jack that dude is huge. He's like okay. six eight or something. Right? That show like, is amazing. We're done. We're done. We're moving yeah. on. Get yeah. us out of before, here before Bob Dad yeah, decides cool. to turn around. Like, All right. So for my one, there we go. Do we buy enough time? Yeah. Jerry prodded me a little bit, and I said, "This isn't something that normally I'm like super excited about. It's one of those mixed bags." We had our fantasy football draft for the Misdirected Mark Fantasy Football League this Woo! past Wednesday. Yes, and fantasy football is my nemesis. <laughs> I love playing fantasy football, but I fucking hate playing fantasy football because fantasy football fucks me. Every he has day. such a high tolerance. I did this for a few years, and was like, "Fuck it, I'm out of here." Like. I felt like I came out of the draft with it's a good decent. Time. I know you love you know, it. Like I, I thought, I did okay, and mm-hmm. you know the the Yahoo system graded me at a at a good flat C. Hey, that's not bad. Your yeah, original practice bad. draft was an my out, practice but... draft was an yeah, name minus. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting. Um, I hate my team. You know, it's it, it's one of those things. You you sit there and you and you go through and you're like, oh, this guy's going to be good, and I think this guy's going to be and da 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 da, and like my. One of my my true starting running backs, I find out, is like, oh, he's probably not going to be ready to start the season. Like, oh, okay, that's, that's right. great. And then one of my other starting running backs, oh, he's probably not going to be ready to start Just, the season. I got like, three. Really? You want one? I'll trade you. Uh, I mean, Bob I, has the worst week one luck in in oh fantasy my. football history. Although, and yet sometimes that turns into great fortune. He still holds my favorite week one folly, like. Falling into yeah. like greatness one year. I had I had as my starting quarterback my my QB one for my entire team was Vinny Testaverde of the New York Jets. Oh, he had a great year that year. I know. No, he, he didn't. didn't. Oh, no, he because didn't. he came out in week one and he flopped on the ground with a torn Achilles. Then who'd you get? Uh, I Little picked up this kid, player. this kid named Kurt Warner for St. Louis. Oh, that who, year, ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, oh, this Kurt Warner looks like he's doing pretty good. I'll pick him up. The and, numbers. And I rode him like a pony. Wait, for the that, rest. Did you pick him up after week one or before week one? After. Because, I, I picked him up to replace because Vinny, you realized that, went down. that first week he threw three touchdowns yeah. against the Baltimore Ravens yeah. when they had Ray Lewis and like, then Super and, Bowl Baltimore Ravens and yes. then the numbers <laughs> that Warner put up. Oh it, my! It's the greatest show on turf. It was right? sadly I did not win the league that year. But no, but didn't you also pick up his number one receiver yeah, like, mid season or something? Too? There's no way you had Isaac. No, Bruce. no, Holt. It was either the year before I that or the year after that. I had a receiver go down in week one, yeah, and I grabbed on. as his replacement <laughs> Randy Moss. Oh, oh, well, there you go. Well, in Randy Moss's rookie year, when he was like, yeah. "Hi, I'm the greatest rookie receiver ever to play the game at the time," you know. So, yeah, that's uh, every once in a while I step in it. Mind greatest, you, <laughs> mind you, Bob's been playing fantasy football since when he ran it off his PC. From a service that dude, he bought, dude. We've been playing fantasy football since you had to like get the paper. And oh yeah, do no it, way! Do it. Do it by hand. I had friends in college who were yeah. playing fantasy baseball like oh, that. Oh, no. I, I did like, that. I've, 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 oh, that's I've masochistic. Yep. We, my friend Mark Morph at the Morph, when I was in college, he had a composition notebook that he had every year. And he had, every team had four pages. He would have offense and defense. And he would have, each player had a line with all their information. Sure. Every, and then a yeah. section of notes. For every single team in the game. I know those people. And he would go through every week and he would go through the newspaper and change the stats and everything. Oh. And would have this all figured out. He wasn't playing fantasy football. He just had all this information. He, But he he knew it was great to play to watch any game with him because he, you'd sit down. And he's like, okay, this is going to be interesting because this guy on the offense 
was roommates with this guy on the defense, and so they're good friends or they're enemies or whatever. Did he have time to go to class? Like, did he, uh, did he attend class? I bet he, I bet he works for like PFF these days or somebody. No, pro no. football fantasy or something. No, he's a. Uh, last I know, he was still. He went back into the Air Force, and he was a. He was the uh, crew chief for electronic counter countermeasures on the planes that the on the big. The big planes that go up and, and do all the that he probably the, shouldn't the be telling planes. you about. No, no, that no, that he could, no, that he could tell us about. He was he was he was the guy that you know the, the planes that go up with the big yeah, radar yeah, dish yeah. on top. Oh, the AWAC. Yeah, the AWAC. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah his job was basically go out in the morning, go over the go over the plane from from front to back, and then it would leave, and he just had to sit in the hangar for five hours till it came back, yeah. and then we came back to the same thing again, and that was his job. We should probably. Bob, why don't you yeah. Why don't you lead us yeah. out of this long, wonderful, rambling, misdirected? Yes, all I am. Guys. I am actually going to do that. Well, thanks everybody for listening. If you like video content, and I know you do, I've seen your search history. If you like video content, that's creepy. By the way, <laughs> all right, big brother. Up Fine, in there. I'll change it. No, it's cool. It's going there now. <laughs> Too late now. Yeah. If you like video content, check us out on the YouTubes where the main segment from this show shows up, as well as other stuff that we do when we're sitting around with cameras on, chatting with each other, talking nerd stuff about gaming and other nerd stuff. Yep. So check us out. And if you are so inclined, like it, subscribe it uh, so that you can get more content or let us tell you when we're putting up more content there. So do that. Also, just listen to us on your podcasters we prefer you to listen to us on spotify but wherever that's fine you where you like to get spotify pays us that's why we like spotify so if you have spotify (laughs) listen to us on spotify (laughs) yes we like to get paid yes yeah we like to get paid all right somebody do another part all right so if you can't make it uh if you can't yeah And I I wrote this part god damn it all right anyway check out our podcast each week wherever you get your podcasts Spotify. 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 <laughs> and then while you're there, this is some of the other shows, Mr. Rector Mark Network, such as They're a Super Geek, Mastery Dungeons, Bone Store and Obsidian, mm-hmm. Panis Talking Games, The Gnome Cast, Bonus Experience, and the amazing back episodes of She's a Super Geek. While you're there, you should also check out our sibling podcasts, Tabletop Bellhop. Hi, Mo. Knights of the Night. <laughs> and the all new GM Mastermind. Good old SP Kelly. Yeah. Yep. After you arrive back at base and before you dump your gear on your poor support crew to clean up and fix everything, leave us some feedback. You can reach us directly via the old fashioned emails, MMP at misdirectedmark.com. You can hit us up on the Twitters. The show and the network is at misdirectedmark. This is Robert M. Everson. This is the Light 101. Where you can get your smooth jazz. GM gerrymander. And that leaves me, DNA Phil. By the way, this is still radio, so they didn't see any of that. I know. <laughs> I might put it, I might just clip it for that fun part. Okay. Hey, you remember that Patreon we talked about? You should go to patreon.com slash MMP and check it out. Um, you can get our show notes for the YouTube pieces. You can get uh, some uh, musical parodies when we potentially. do Potentially. Potentially. Uh, hopefully we'll do one again. We got a bunch of after show, up. extra yeah. stuff, pre show, after show. Mm-hmm. Bonus after show is a thing. It's got to be some junk that we're cutting out of this episode. There's, There's always like, some <laughs> junk. Yeah. So you'll find some goodies in there. Uh, uh, I don't know if we should be talking about cutting junk. That's weird. I mean, mine was snip. That's fair. All right, that's a whole different topic. Yep. So why don't you roll us out of here? Well, this has been a misdirected Mark production, which we're just going to keep talking over to. It's great. The media arm of encoded designs. Mic drop. Another broken mic.